Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Brighton and Hove Albion 1 in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Spurs are moving on to the fifth round, which is going to be played later this month. And uh, I've got uh, three of my favorite friends here to talk about it with me. Start by throwing it out to Dakota. He's at Dakota J. Booth. Dakota, what's going on, my friend? Oh, you know, just a comprehensive win from Tottenham Hotspur after not watching them play in two weeks. It's a great day. Yeah, I feel that as well. It did feel just kind of comprehensive, and we're gonna we're gonna certainly dive into it. We've also got the Todd Father on hand at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, how are you, my friend? Any day, guys. Any day, as our friend Dustin Dietz points out, uh, any day that Harry Kane scores a brace is a fantastic day, and he is not wrong. Moving on in the cup, and truthfully, as you can see by the attire that I have on today, the FA Cup is hot on my mind. I've I love the idea of Tottenham winning trophies, but there's only one trophy that I truly, truly, truly want to win like as much as I want to take my next breath, and it's the FA Cup, and I can't wait. So today's a good day for me. Todd's a big FA Cup guy. I half expected yeah. Dakota show up here in a suit. I think that was his bit from, from the past, where he would <laughs> he would really dress up for the FA Cup games. But uh, we've got a we've got a beanie and hoodie look, which which I appreciate anyway, which is which is good as well. Uh, we've also got Caroline on hand at CG Stefco. Caroline, how are you this afternoon? I'm very good. Feeling super optimistic about the team right now, uh, especially the players who were coming back from injury, the debuts. It was just positives all around. You know, don't I really don't have much negative to say about the game. Just a few nitpicky things, but overall, it was just a great afternoon. It really was. And to give people context, we're saying great afternoon. We're recording this a couple hours after the game on Saturday, not our normal day on Sunday, even though that's when you are hearing it. So we do not know who the Spurs, who Spurs have drawn in the fifth round. We'll get into that later on in a different pod because, you know, we've got some time before the fifth round match. And that's just the way it goes. Um, we, we record these pods when it's convenient for us to. And uh, if you don't like it, you know, that's that's your problem. Kick rocks. Kick rocks. So uh, we're we're recording this on Saturday evening, uh, late afternoon, uh, for context. So, like I said, we're not going to be talking about Spurs' next FA Cup opponent because we don't know who the hell that's going to be yet. But let's get into this one. Um, lineup came out and a little bit of a surprise before the match when we found out Eric Dyer wouldn't be available. We knew going in that both Oliver Skip and Jaffa Tanganga were not going to be available in the team selection, but Dyer was a little bit of a surprise, but we got the back line, Romero, Sanchez, and Davies, uh, Royal and Reggian at wingbacks, Winks and Hoybier in the midfield, Lucas Kane's son up top. Dakota, no real surprises other than the Dyer thing, right? I mean, this is kind of, I guess, what we would have expected to see coming into this match, right? For sure. Um, you know, Premier League opponent, in some ways you got to treat it like a Premier League game, especially when it's in a competition where you have a real shot at winning a trophy and you want to put some some a good number of eggs in, in that basket. Uh, and I feel like that's what we saw reflected in the lineup today and really in the attitude of the team from the first minute. Uh, the, the team treated it like it was a game they wanted to go out and win and put away early. You know, a few weeks ago we heard Harry Winks talk about that uh in the last actually in the last fa cup match 
talked about putting away chances early and killing the game off. And that's what happened today. So it was really nice to see that intensity. Yeah, Todd, I like, you know, like I said, other than Dyer, for me, this is this back line welcomed back in Cody Romero, which was a big deal. It also welcomed back in Hyungmin's son up top coming off of the injury. The 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 break, the international breakout obviously allowed these guys to to get back to full health and full strength, right? I mean, it's this was almost as strong as you can get with a Tottenham side right now. Well, what I really appreciated about this particular match is that it allowed some of those guys, Sonny and, and Cootie specifically, but also the new signings that will come on to, to kind of have a game to bet in. We scored early. We looked confident and poised throughout this match. There wasn't a lot of pressure moments. And that really, you couldn't have asked for something better with a, a league match on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I I like that approach as well, especially like you mentioned, with, with another match coming up midweek. Um, you know, you've got the extra day Spurs, I think are really used to playing on Sundays. That's why the Saturday match was so kind of different for them, but uh, you know, another match, like you mentioned midweek and then another match to follow next weekend. And you want to be able to have a little bit of depth and have that rotation. And I do think, like you mentioned, it was nice to get some, some substitutions made the FA cup. You can utilize five subs. Um, Antonio Conte was able to do that. Um, Caroline, it was also, as, as I mentioned, or as Todd mentioned, rather great to see the, the new guys, uh, Kulisewski and Betancourt get on the pitch and kind of get the atmosphere of the Tottenham Hotspur stadium, which by the way, was, was really full and loud today, which was kind of cool. Yeah, they definitely got the full Tottenham experience today with the stadium. So that was a great moment to see. Uh, I thought they both did really well on their debuts. Um, Benton Kerr especially just impressed me with his maturity. You know, he was just very poised. He knew what he was out there to do. He already seems to have a good connection with his teammates, even though he's what maybe had like one training session with them at this point. Uh, so that was really great to see. And I think with Kulisevsky, he, he seemed maybe a little more nervous, but he was still getting into really good positions. And I can see him and Kane having some great link ups in the future. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Kulisevsky did seem a little, maybe a little hesitant down that right side, but you know, it's just one of those things: get your feet wet and 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 get rolling. Um, Todd Todd brought it up early, early kind of early ish goal in this one. Harry Kane scores on 13 minutes, and I, I really thought you know that goal could have been chalked up to Brighton just playing the ball poorly out of the back, and you know they even mentioned it a few times on commentary, like. Brighton just kind of disheveled trying to play the ball out of the back. But I think part of that can also be credited to just the way that Spurs were playing in terms of the press and pressuring them. Dakota, what did you see from that first goal? Obviously, it, it came off of a, you know, Spurs had a couple of opportunities in that first 10 to 15 minutes to really strike and then finally did with Harry Kane. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think the press um, absolutely played a part in that. And I, I think those couple of opportunities that you're you're mentioning there before the one that ended up in the back of the net was maybe in the back of Brighton's mind a little bit and you know the chances that are made from mistakes you know maybe not uh fully credited to to us but we still have to finish them we still have to put the ball in the back of the net and my word did Harry Kane do that what a you know he he's 28 years old, you know, partially, you know, maybe not even all the way um, to like towards the dwindling of his career, but that's like a vintage Harry Kane moment. If he can have such a thing, (laughs) 
So he absolutely can have such a thing. He scored how yeah. many goals in the FA Cup, Dakota? I mean, so my many. guy bangs it in. It looked uh, for me, it was reminiscent of a goal that uh, he scored against um, Leicester City, where he just kind of oh, picked yeah. it up on that particular. I mean, he. It's hard to, for the listener. I know there's so many. He beats Casper Smigel like he stole something every time they play. I understand. <laughs> but there's a specific goal where he picks it up on that spot of the D and just curls it in the top corner with a Harry yeah. Kane finesse. Like, it made the defender look silly. But I don't necessarily think that – I think it was Donk, too, as their captain. I don't necessarily yeah. think that old buddy could have done anything better. Like, he there's saw no- – yeah, he saw him shaping up, and by the time that he moved to position his body properly, the ball was already gone. Yeah, I mean, and the thing with that is, if you move your body when Terry Kane starts to shape for that shot, he's just going to fake shoot and go right by you and have an easy, an even easier finish. So that that I I think we really saw. You know, I feel like I've been saying this every time we've talked about Harry Kane the last few weeks, but I feel like we really saw him put his world class talent on display today, and it's kind of wrapped up in that that finish that he had. Well, let's let's hammer down on Kane for a second because he obviously he gets credited for the second goal as well, which was almost an own goal, almost a sunny goal. But so glad that he got it. That's such a striker's goal. Yeah, totally. He totally. I mean, I don't even really want to say he poached it. It was he got there to the ball first and put it away. Caroline, what do you make of of what we've seen from Kane in these last handful of of weeks, even going back before the the international break? Because I feel like. We've all been kind of waiting for this guy to come around, and all of a sudden, it just feels like he's weirdly Harry Kane again, right? Yeah, it's kind of cliche at this point to say it, but I believe we could safely say Harry Kane is back. He is. Um, and it's there's just such a huge difference in not only the effort that he's putting in on the pitch, but also just his body language from the first half of the season, you can tell that he is fully committed again. And I think a big part of that has been Conte coming into the team. You know, we heard in Harry's post-game comments, he was full of praise for Conte saying that, you know, you couldn't ask for a better coach, a better person. So I think he's getting the best out of Harry, just like he's getting the best out of pretty much everyone across the lineup. Yeah, and I know it's something that excites you, Todd. I mean, you've obviously been hammering on the fact that this guy's going to definitely score 15 goals in the league this year, probably get over, 12, no, over no, no, 20 no, no. overall. No, I said he's going to score 20 goals in the league this year. Let's make it very clear. You can go back and listen to the episodes on this podcast. I haven't wavered from that from the entire time. He's going to score, score 20 league goals. He currently has five. Just understand, there will be at least one hat trick in the month of February, okay? And he will hit 20 goals in the league by the time this is all said and done. We don't have Europe. Yeah. We don't have Europe. And so oh, he's fair. basically, and the FA Cup, then when's the next round? It's not till the end of the month. Exactly. So all he's focused on in the league is smashing in these fucking goals, Andrew, and it's happening. Yeah, I'm excited the way he's playing. And obviously, you know, let's let's stay looking up top because I actually thought, and this is probably going to be a little unfair to both of them, but thought Son and Lucas didn't quite look up to to his level today. Son, you can obviously excuse he's coming back from from injury. Like, let's let the guy get get going. Lucas, I didn't think had a terrible game. He just didn't. I don't think he was quite on Kane's level even, which is hard to do because Kane's level right now is that much higher. But when all of these guys start to get humming, and you can throw Kulisevsky into that mix as well down that right side. You had Bergvine come in. Um, you know. 
maybe miss what you, what some might describe as a sitter at one point. But Bergvine, we've seen what he can do. He did it against Leicester a few weeks ago. Like all of a sudden, you start to think that there are five, maybe even six attacking options that can play on this front line. Where, oh baby, these goals could start really start coming. Yeah, I mean, all of these guys are confidence players, right? So you look at Kane; he scores. Just a beautiful vintage Kane goal early in this match, and it kind of sets the tone. Everybody else kind of settles in and goes, okay, this is where we are today, right? <clears throat> so you're starting to see a little bit th- that with some consistency, as we've seen, and to be fair, as a, as a fan base, taken for fucking granted for so long when Harry Kane just settles in and bangs in 10 goals in a month. You're just like, oh, snap. That, and that legitimately happens every season. Like... You're looking at the type of guy that sets the tone from the front. And when he fills it up the way that he does, it's infectious. Steven Burvines has the Leicester game to build off of. It's infectious. Kulisevsky's here trying to prove something. Loves working under Conte. It's infectious. Sonny's back. And when Sonny's hot, there's no better left winger in the world. It's infectious. We're starting to see the type of momentum going forward under Conte that Spurs fans have been dreaming about dreaming about since vintage Pochettino and you know with Sonny I just wanted to say that he didn't have the finishing today to get his own goal but I feel like he did everything else and the thing that was most reassuring to me was that he is coming straight off that injury and he he has not lost any of his pace I mean on that you know goal that Kane ended up finishing it was almost like his Burnley goal, you know, making that massive run straight through the middle of the defense. It was like classic Sonny. So, yeah, he's back too. <laughs> no, that's that's spot on, Caroline. And honestly, he the fact that he was able to get 68, 69 minutes in today, like, great. R- rest up, buddy. Build yourself back up to to be able to go that full 90 like we know you are um, able to do. And 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 I, I did. I thought that was was really great. It just... It's st- I'm, I'm starting to have these dreams of this team really humming with that front three and putting in two to three goals a game. And with the way they've been playing defensively, that's going to be enough to rack up three points very, very often uh, in, in, in the league and, and obviously in trying to make this cup run as well. We'll see kind of how that turns out. Um, when it comes to the second goal, and this is where I want to move the conversation to the wingbacks, and our boy Scott isn't here, but when, when, when Antonio Conte was hired, he said – Playing in this system is going to be very, very reliant on wingbacks. And this team, when we look at it, has one true wingback, and that's Matt Doherty, who, who came on late in the match today as a sub. The right. other guys, well, wingback in general. Well, no, no, I mean, you could – you, and, and the only reason why I push back is because Regulon played wingback when he was in Spain. So that's the only reason why I push back. That's that's fair, but I think truly his his most of his experience is that is is has been as a left back, especially at Spurs. And he and and at and Spurs, but fair. but this is where I'm gonna go. I think these guys are learning, and Reggian is included in this. But Emerson Royale today looked like he can play right wing back, and that that today was the first time I said this guy looks like he's learned something. And before we started recording, I had to be reminded by by you folks that. He actually was not even at Hotspur Way during this international break because he got a Brazilian call up. And that surprised me because it looked to me like he has been working with Antonio Conte and it looked like something clicked today. And he doesn't get credit for the second goal technically. Uh, it technically goes down as a, as a Sully March own goal. But that was 
that was his goal. I mean, he put that thing where it needed to go. And I just thought Emerson today, not only, you know, most of the time what we've seen from Emerson has been strong defensively. He showed it going forward for me today. And Dakota, that's something that if that guy can start to, to click in both elements of the game, that's something that really excites me pairing him with Reggion on the left side. Yeah. Well, he may not have been working directly with Conte, but from his own admission, he has been Chabalhando and Silencio working in silence. <laughs> yeah. And it showed off. It showed off today. And, you know, Andrew, you bring up a point that these guys haven't played much wing back, especially at, at Spurs, but all of those guys, you know, Ryan Sessignon has experience playing wing back. True. Um, and I think Antonio when Conte. He's able to stay really, healthy, but yes. I think Antonio Conte really likes Ryan Sessignon. So I would not be so surprised to see him get a lot of minutes um, down this back half of, of the season. But Sergio Regulon and Emerson Royale both have a really great skill set to play wing back. So I think it's a little bit lucky for Antonio Conte that we have the, the wide backs that we do because he fits their system super well. Um, they're, they're skillful. They're quick. Um, they got, they have high work rates uh, offensively and defensively. So it's no surprise to me that, that Emerson had the game that he has today. And the key thing for Emerson and honestly, the, the whole entire team moving forward is consistency. If we can get consistent games and consistent performances, like we saw today from even three quarters of the team, I think everyone had a really great game today and not, not, not expecting everyone to have a great game every time. But if we can get, you know, eight out of the 11 players, every single match, having a game like today, we're going to, we're going to win a lot of games. We're going to score a lot of goals. We're going to rack up a lot of points. Um, and that's going to be really, really exciting for all of us who, who get to sit back and watch. But I was really impressed with Emerson today. Um, he meant the goal. Let's just get that out there. He meant it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for Emerson's development. I think people forget he's 22 years old. He's he can basically forget everything he's learned and etch a sketch all of that and start over with Antonio Conte. Which like what a gift for a footballer, <sighs> right? Get to learn from from a guy like that with basically a blank slate. Well, and I think that the, the other point to be made with Emerson is, you know, throughout this whole window, which which just closed last week, I think a lot of us were saying, OK, if this team's going to sign someone, let's sign another right wing back, like a true right wing back. Well, I know everybody likes to, to you know, slight Matt Doherty, but he's a perfectly suitable backup right wing back, especially if Emerson can play like he did today. Dude, well, his offensive his, his offensive stats like metrics are shocking. They're so good. Who who's that? Emerson or Darty? Matt no Matt Darty. Oh, <laughs> I know his percentile. Like and when you've got a guy like that, everything. when you've got a guy like that coming off the bench for you don't play him at left wing back. No, correct. <laughs> you play him at right wing back. You're 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 spot on. But like I said, when you when you have a rotation of Reggion Session on the left and you know Emerson and Darty on the right, that can work as long as you're getting what you need to out of out of you know, all four of those guys, which for Darty and Sessignon will be 
backup type of minutes, but hopefully productive backup type of minutes. And for the other two guys, hopefully this growth and this this maturation process of playing wing back in a Conte system. And when it looks like it did today, I don't know. I think it looks really, really fucking good. And that just excites me. I don't know. And, and, and I just wanted to jump in here and, and say this because I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of this. Right. But I don't know if that's my role. Get, I don't know <laughs> if they're going to get that much freedom and that much joy against top six sides to be fair to Brighton. And, and I really appreciate what, what Brighton brings to the table. And they've got a couple of guys on their team that I, you know, love to have, uh, you know, at, at Oscar way, but you know, um, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know that, that Reggie and specifically Emerson are going to get that much freedom and that many quality opportunities to get balls into the box against better competition. I mean, I, to your point, you know, you, you mentioned there's a couple of guys that you would like to have. I mean, I really like Tariq Lamptey, and Me I too. thought he was pocketed today. I mean, I thought a guy like that yeah. was kind of owned by, by Reggion down that left side. So it, it, it really did. Which, it's because he's not that good. Well, okay. I, but the other guy that I would like is Basuma, who scored and bossed the midfield for them today. So, I mean, you call it what you call it. Yes. And I think Brighton are an interesting case of a team that can give you a lot of problems. But I think you're right, Todd, to an extent against a city, a Liverpool, you know, maybe even a Chelsea, which we've we've seen enough of those guys. Like, trust me. <laughs> but like, I do think you're not going to get the freedom to do what you want to do <laughs> out wide like Spurs were able to get today. But those are only a handful of teams. Like if you can do it, you know, for the most part against these other teams in the league, you can really make progress. And then you can play a little more, a little more sit back and counter ball um, at times, you know, when, when you're facing those, those tougher sides, Caroline, what did you make of these wingbacks today? Cause that's like, to me, that's been what I've been waiting for out of Conte's at a Conte ball really. And today it looked like it, it was at least a, a peek into what it could be down the future. Well, Emerson, I think, impressed me a little bit more than Reggion, um, especially like you were talking about his work rate. He was just all up and down the field. You know, he was pitching in defensively, but he was also getting into some really good positions going forward. And I, I do think we just need him to be consistent because <laughs> we know that he's capable of having games like this, you know, where he's playing lights out and then he'll have another game where feels like he's just full of mistakes and can't seem to get across in at all. So I just would like to see him do it again against Southampton. I think give him another chance to start because um, I think he did earn it today. And with Reggie on, you know, he I think he is probably a better crosser than Emerson is. But I would like to see Reggie be a little more brave with his own chances to take shots. Um, you know, we saw he had that cl pretty clear cut opportunity today and just did not get anywhere near the net. So <laughs> he, I think that's his, his area of opportunity for sure. Yeah. I think that's spot on too. I, I, the last thing I'll say about Emerson is that for the last few weeks, when he was getting opportunities down that right side, from an offensive standpoint, we were seeing him get a lot of, a lot of space, mostly because teams were giving it to him. Today, I, I didn't think it was being given to him as much as he was taking it, which I oh, think is, for a, sure. is, a, is, a, is a real positive. If, if teams are going to not give him space and he's still going to find opportunities to do something with the ball from an attacking standpoint, I think that's really positive. 
Um, if, if teams are going to give him space and he's still not going to get it done, that's where we get into problems. And that will, that's what we've seen in, in a handful of games uh, in the recent <laughs> past. So I think that's really something, you know, to be said for. Uh, I don't really have much to, to, to say on, on the midfield. I thought Winks and Hoybear were both really, really good once again. And then we, we, we spoke a little bit about Bentoncourt. Maybe this is where we can get into talking about the new boys, Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky and what we kind of saw from them and their cameos. Um, you know, Dakota, you and I kind of both ticked on a, a moment from Bentoncourt pretty late in the match where Spurs were really pinned in and, um, you know, things were kind of hairy and he got, he, he did a, I don't really know what he did. What do you, what do you call it? it. What do you I don't know called, what you call it. It's called an L drag and it's it was one magic. of the, it's one of the silkiest moves a footballer can do in my opinion. <laughs> And it he did it insane. on the edge of our box. It was so <laughs> silly. It was so silly. And it yeah, sparked and it's, it sparked a break that that Spurs nearly got a fourth goal from. And it was it was saucy. And I saw it. And I'm sitting at the pub watching the match. And I saw it. And I looked down at my phone. And I went to pick up my phone to put a message in our group chat about it. And right when I did that, Dakota's message <laughs> popped through about the same thing. And I thought, oh, this is why me and Dakota are like on the same wavelength about a lot of different things. And I just set my phone back down and I was like, this guy gets it. Uh, we both spotted it. And it was one of those things that if you're not really, you know, we all saw it. But like if you were just watching the game, you know. Let's be honest. When we're watching a three-one game in the eighty-first minute or something, we're all kind of just like, "Okay, let's get let's get through this thing." But if you're not really paying attention, you miss something like that. It was a moment of absolute magic, and it made me like, I don't know, it, it just got me really excited for what this guy's potentially capable of being um, down the road. Uh, when it comes to Kulisevsky, like I said earlier, thought he n- could have shown a little bit more bravery with the ball, and and but I thought also like that's a good guy to come in and get his feet wet and, 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 and play at this pace and see what happens. So um, I don't know, man, with that Dakota, t- take it away on both these guys. What did you see? You know, I feel like I've rambled enough on both of these guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's a 20 minute cameo in a game which we were three, one up. So you kind of got to take that, keep that in, in mind when you're talking about this. And I think that is, I think that applies more to Kulisevsky than it does to Benton Kerr. Because, yeah, we want him to be brave on the ball and we want him to, you know, to to do stuff and to try to score and all that stuff. But he had a shot that went wide. He set up Steven Bergvine for a sitter, which he sailed into Musa Sissoko land. Uh, he laid one off to Kane, who on another day, Kane buries that too. Um, he completed 50% of his dribbles which which was two he completed two dribbles which was good enough for second most in the entire game he played for 20 <laughs> minutes so i i think what we saw from kulisevsky was a really smart player he knew that we didn't necessarily need to try to create too much or to do anything possession was more important and i think we saw that a lot he he maybe held up on a couple of of breaks but he found the right pass and we kept the ball so I really enjoyed that from Kulisevsky. I, I, I liked what I saw from him. Benton Kerr looks like he's going to be someone who is able to dictate from that midfield, which uh, m- may be surprising to to people who've watched him before because he doesn't really seem like that type of player. Uh, he's kind of more of a, let me clean up this stuff and get the ball to a teammate. But, in his 
cameo today, it really looked like he can be someone who keeps the ball rolling, who's kind of, you know, Scott likes the word metronome. I'm going to use yep. that word. He can be our metronome in the midfield, um, which would be super exciting because that's going to, if we can play him in a midfield with like a skip and a winks, um, that's, that's pretty attractive. And, you know, no, nothing against PH. Nothing, you know, Todd, sorry. I didn't, it's not a shot at PH, but I think Bentoncourt offers a lot of that calmness and um, kind of quiet leadership, uh, which is a, a kind of a contrast to PEH's vocal leadership. Um, that's, that's why I think you know, I think together. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think that would work too. Uh, Skip is probably the guy who would unfortunately get get sat on the bench for that. Which, which how do we in, say that? Right, it seems crazy for his performances this year. But the th- I thought they both had great performances today. The thing that I noticed the most, and Caroline mentioned it earlier, is these guys just seemed to fit right in. Uh, they looked like they belonged on the pitch with their teammates, and they looked like they had a connection with their teammates in, in um, short cameos, but I think you're right for sure. I, think it's, yeah, I just think it, it's an important caveat to put on that, but I think you're right. About totally. That. Totally. Yeah. Um, there was yeah. a moment, there was a moment where Kulisevsky thought PH was going to make a run and he didn't, but outside of that, <laughs> these guys looked like they belong like they have a connection with these, these players already, which who, who knows how much of that goes down to the players who've left the locker room. And maybe everyone is feeling that a little bit more, uh, but that that's speculation. We won't go there. I want to talk about that for a quick second because I've been banging on for for a hot minute uh, about the the addition by subtraction of the folks that have left this locker room over the last window. And um, you know, on on the last pod, you guys kind of talked about that and the vocal leadership and and the um, the cachet that a guy like Deli Alley has when he walks into. Uh, to a locker room like Spurs where he's made his name. It's kind of hard not to listen to that guy when he's sitting there being uh, unhappy. And so when, when you, when you get guys like that out of the locker room, uh, it makes a big difference, especially for a guy like Conte, who's known for his domestic focus, which is going to say it, you need a tight squad in order to do the things that he wants to do. Plus, when you beat the shit out of people on a regular basis in terms of their fitness level, it's extremely important that they all buy in. If you have people that are unhappy or uh, I don't want to say lazy, but in Dombley, um, you may not get that type of buy-in and that's going to cause a rift amongst your team. Uh, the way that Eric Dyer looked at Ndombele as he walked off the pitch against Morecambe. Um, so, I, I mean, it really makes a difference, Andrew, uh, that <laughs> these are the types of people you want to go to war with. Right? Yeah. And I don't necessarily know that you could say that about the 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 three people save Brian Heal because Brian Heal is going to be a G. It's just a matter of what kid he's going to wear when it happens. Um, and so I hope it's ours. Uh, but the other three guys, respectfully, at this point in time, can kick rocks, and because it's not they're they're surplus to requirements of what Conte's trying to do. So so let me look at it from a non, I guess, um, personality or dressing room standpoint but just from a strictly from a numbers standpoint for a second because i think a a lot of coming out of the transfer window a lot of the hubbub was wow we um we removed three midfielders and added one the math doesn't quite work there for, for, for 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 certain people and and i'm not one of those people because 
you know, the, the three midfielders that you removed weren't really playing a lot anyway. Um, but the way exactly. that I look at what's that? She said exactly. And, and, yeah. and what I was going to say is, is what you're actually, and, and, I, and I don't mean to jump in here, Andrew, but what I'm actually looking at to kind of piggyback on that point, it was what you did is you freed up a whole bunch of wage money so you can throw it at Paulo Dybala in the summer. I mean, um, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, I saw something today that said Dybala and Kessier are coming on a free this summer. And I went, the only way that's going to happen is if you're paying them millions and millions of years. So you got to have that wage money. So how do you make that happen? You get rid of LaCelso, Deli, and Indomitable. Well, and look, the way that I look at this from a numbers standpoint, too, is that if you're playing the the 3-4-3 that Spurs played today, for example, you're playing with two midfielders. And you currently have four midfielders in Winks and Hoiber who played today. And then you add in Skip when he's healthy to that mix, as well as Bentoncourt. And it feels to Respect me like... White. Uh, Okay. Okay. Then you have. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I said. I'm gonna stick ben with the, said no. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with the four midfielders that I mentioned there because I'm talking about for a Premier League match. But to me, it feels like with those four midfielders that you have for those two spots, and I could be wrong about this, but it almost feels you could like you can play any combination, any two of those four in any kind of combination and get something productive. It's not like Bingo. you have to play one of these guys with this guy or, or, or the C guy with the D guy or the A, A guy with the C guy. Like it doesn't feel like you have to, to, to do that. It feels like you can play any of the two in the midfield at the same time and get something productive out of it. And if you want to get into talking about playing, you know, more of a, a three, five, two, instead of a three, four, three, you've got Kulisevsky that can, can slot into that, that, that midfield um, creative attacking role you know, playing behind the likes of Kane and Son or whatever the case may be. Uh, if or you're you going to him out wide, put or, Lucas in the middle, like there's a bunch of things you can do there. There's a bunch of things you can do because you've got the wingers slash attackers in Lucas, Bergvine, Son, Kane, and then Kulisevsky can play in that role like we saw him do today. You've got you've got different parts to make that mesh. So for me, from a number standpoint, this all seems to make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Am I, Caroline, am I crazy for thinking that these midfielders can all kind of just do whatever and work together? These four for two spots can kind of go in any order you want them to? I think you're absolutely right. And one of the biggest takeaways that I had from today's game was that we were playing so much more fluidly than I have seen us play previously, um, which I consider to be a positive. Ooh, you know, the fact yes. that maybe, you know, we were surprised to see Emerson in the box so often or you know, Sonny coming back on defense, but it, it just worked because everyone was, they have that team spirit now. And I think you're right that these midfielders that we're bringing in, it's, it's a positive that they're versatile and we aren't limited to just certain configurations. Like we were, you know, we, we quickly found out that Ndombele and Lacelso and PEH could not play together. <laughs> like yeah. It just, it was horrible. So we're not going to be in that kind of situation, which is also a positive in the sense that we're not one injury away from like, you know, the system collapsing. So, well, and, and to your point, I think that when you're playing three in a midfield, you almost have to have designated roles for these guys. When you're playing two, it's almost like, you know, you, you can, can do chop either, and change. You, you can chop and change. And when you have the flexibility of a player, at least from what we've read and heard about a player like Kulisevsky, who can play on that wing, but he can also come back into the midfield at times. Like 
those are things you know that i don't know they they feel like good good flexible options to have within a, within a midfield where you're mostly only playing two players and you don't have to worry about a third one to what's his role and where does he go and if he plays can this guy play and i don't know all of that just feels you know that 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 feels flexible and feels right to me yeah flexible is exactly the word i was looking for you're spot Shit. on I mean, Conte said he can play some right wing back. Who knows? <laughs> well, uh, one final thing. Shout out to Joe Roden today. He came in, had a solid 15 minutes, made a couple clearances, never felt like anything was at risk with him being in. And it's just another example of him making the most of his opportunities. And uh, I think he deserves a few more of them. Joe yeah, I, would, I think so. I would love that as well. And by the way, shout out to the guy that he replaced on the pitch, Cudi Romero, because I don't know if we even really, I mean, I think we mentioned him earlier about how well he played, but that dude played really, really effing well coming off of an injury and getting his first, I mean, this was what his third competitive match under Conte total. Um, that guy was remarkable today. Really all, really all the center backs were in my mind. I mean, the goal that, that Spurs conceded, you know, and that's something we didn't really talk about with the game. Spurs in the in the first fifteen to twenty minutes coming out of the half really did kind of get get pushed around a little bit. They got pressed on and they eventually bent and gave up the goal, but it was kind of an unlucky goal. And I just I thought the center backs, all three of them today, were so damn good. And it made me yep. so happy to see all three of them playing not only playing really well defensively, but also getting forward at times and fitting their way into the channels. And it was just it was a joy to watch overall. Yeah, yeah. I think I- Go ahead, Dakota. Sorry, Scott talks about having consistency and a, a call, like a calm leader at the back and making everyone play better. And I disagreed with him, like pretty hard. Uh, but seeing how well all the center backs played today with with Cootie coming back uh, is kind of making me rethink that because um, he's he that guy is a Rolls Royce of a defender. And I think he he's one of those guys that makes everybody around him better. And I think it's significant that he was the one playing the central center back role, you know, because Dyer's usually the player that we've been relying on for that stability and leadership from the back. And you're right. I think Cutie brought it today. So I, Cutie coming back from injury and looking just like he had never left. That was, I think, one of my biggest positives from the game. Um, you know, sunny too. And then just seeing the new players come and just seem to fit right in. Um, I know I didn't really talk about the new players too much earlier, but the one thing I had on Kulu um, was that I noticed he was a little bit off the pace. And I feel like I had read someone saying that he had like half the pace of Gareth Bale, which I think is harsh to Gareth. But <laughs> I kind of see what they're talking about now. So that might be an opportunity for him to get some of that, like, Conte conditioning in um, and just adjusting to the pace of the Premier League. You know, it is a new a new thing for him. But otherwise, you know, totally positive first debut games for them. I think that's a really good point. And it's going to take time. And I think we just have to to be able to give that time, um, you know, to – Dakota, to your point about the, the the leader at the back, I think it's it's even more impressive that the center backs played as well as they did without Eric Dyer in kind of almost what was I'm not going to say it was a last second decision to not play him, but obviously they found out something last night with you know the injury that, that cropped up with him, 
and the idea that he was not there to lead in the back, but Cootie was, and the fact, and I think you're you're spot on. The fact that Cootie was able to play the middle and not force Davison Sanchez to do it, and let Sanchez be out on the right, which I think is where he's he's completely um, not not even just suitable. I think Sanchez has been good as that right sided center back. I that's think his that, role. I think it's great. Yes, I think you're spot on. I think that that's where he belongs. If he's going to play, don't play him on the left. Don't play him in the middle. Play him on the right, and I'm fine with that. Same as is Ben Davies. Like yes. Ben Davies is is we wouldn't want son. him playing on the right. No, and Ben Davies is a six point four left back, but he's a seven point oh left center back all day long. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. I just you know when you have and this is kind of you know in a in a similar way like. We're talking about all these attacking options. Now, all of a sudden, if Spurs have these three guys that play today, plus you throw Dyer into that mix, and then you've got Joe Rodon to be able to come off the bench when needed. Okay, all of a sudden, Spurs are getting into a place where, you know, they didn't buy a center back in this window, but guess what? And this is, talk about cliches. I mean, Carol, I mentioned it earlier. You want to talk about a, a, a new signing. Cody Romero is almost like a new signing, and that's not true because he's not a new signing. He was previously on the team, but... It does feel like Spurs have weathered that injury storm, and hopefully they don't have to weather another one in that in that department in that area of the, of the of the team. But boy, if if you got four or five center backs for three spots that you feel confident in, whoa, baby, that that sounds like fun. That so, sounds like a team I can get behind. So hold on, just real quick, over the course of how long's Pratici been here? Two windows. To well, yeah, well, I, I would call it one. I would call it one and a half windows because he came in pretty much when Nuno did, which was very late in the summer window. Okay, so two, you know, one and a half windows, and we've already gone through how much of a painful rebuild to get to the point in time where you can look up and down the starting eleven, and with the exception of Golini and um, the fact that we don't have an actual striker uh, behind Kane, uh, everybody else has a like for like replacement, and that's so impressive. And you've gotten rid of the malcontents, like in a window and a half. That's impressive. And and, you and know, we're we're minus. I'm sorry, Caroline. We're also to the good twenty million pounds this window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, y'all were talking earlier about getting those negative influences out of the dressing room. I'm just going to say right now that I think Matt Doherty is probably going to be one of the biggest benefits of that. I think he was being brought down a little bit by that negative mood. You could see it in his performances. And I think, you know, I have not been that high on him as a player in the past, but I, I do think he has potential to really improve in the second half of the season. Well, and he still might be a guy that ends up needing a move as well, you know, and maybe he gets it in the summer, maybe he doesn't, but, but for now in the short term, I'm completely confident and comfortable with that guy being Emerson Royale's backup as a right wing back and getting some minutes here and there. And, uh, you know, if they end up draw, getting the right draw in this FA Cup next round, and again, if you know, we don't know that because we're recording this a little earlier than we usually do. But if they end up getting the right draw and they can start a guy like Matt Doherty in an FA Cup round, that 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 and and the occasional Premier League game he gets a start over Royale just for rotation sake, I'm I'm down with that. I mean, the guy is a right wing back, and we were trying to play him. It's the same it's the same yep. concept. We were trying to play him as a right back, and he's a right wing back. Thanks. In the same way that we were trying to play Emerson Royale as a right wing back when he's a really a right back. Now, if you can you can train these guys with some time to do different things and put different things in, you know, different different arrows in their quivers, but you know, it takes some time to do that kind of thing. And if if Darty's yeah. gonna if Darty's gonna just be able to slot in as a right wing back and and give us something there, 
I'm totally down with that. I mean, I don't want him playing every game, but if he, if he can get the occasional minutes and, and, and play, you know, play yeah. it here and there, that's I'm, I'm on board. Um, look guys, let's, let's shift away from the game a little bit because you, you guys mentioned negative influences leaving Tottenham here, here, here's, here's where we transition to the Steve Hitchin conversation. Cause Steve Hitchin left, uh, the club. It seemed like on his own, um, earlier this week after the window had, had closed. And I, I, I kind of tongue in cheek say negative influence because I think personally, and you guys can let me know where I'm wrong here, but I think personally, Steve Hitchin kind of was the unfair victim of becoming a meme after the Amazon documentary. You know, he said he hates January. He said he hates transfers. And all of a sudden he just kind of became a meme. I think Steve Hitchin did a lot of good things for this club. I think he like what? brought in a lot of good players over the years. I think he helped with, 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 with scouting and, and those kinds of things. And I'm not going to paint him completely in a negative light, but I do think it was obviously with, with, with Paratici here, he obviously had nothing else to do and and his influence was waning. So I think that the the memification of Steve Hitchin is just needs to be pointed out before we even get into this conversation. Um, that's fair. If I mean, if you want to uh, villainize the internet for Steve Hitchin being shit at his job, that's entirely <laughs> your right to do so. Um, that guy was hot fucking garbage. That you can be proud of Steve Hitchin for overseeing uh, the year and a half that Tottenham did zero fucking transfer business. You can be proud of Steve Hitchin for bringing in Ndombele for a club record 65 million pounds. You can be proud of Steve Hitchin for um, – that's honestly, that's that's probably about it – for almost bringing in Bruno Fernandes and Paulo Dybala but not being able to clear image rights. I mean, you, you, can, you can be proud of Steve Hitchin for his service to Tottenham um, for a variety of things, but being good at his job is not one of them. So – the I'll, I'll I'll push back on on two different points you make there. The Indomitable <laughs> thing was was a that's that's a guy Pochettino wanted, and obviously that's why it didn't work out. As when when Pochettino brought him in and then left, that's why it didn't work. And you know when you're talking about not bringing in certain players, whether it's Dybala or Fernandez or anything, we don't know that that was Steve Hitchens doing and not Daniel Levy's doing. Like it, you know the buck always stops with the guy who has the the checks to sign above your head in my mind he at least was in the process of working those deals out and making those things or trying to make those things happen i, I don't think we know fully what whether or not it was steve hitchens saying no this isn't going to work or whether or not it was you know daniel levy above him saying this isn't going to work okay so this is what i'll say thank you to <laughs> steve hitchin for bringing in um lucas mora and peh I'll, i will give you respect for that. Um, but the rest of the time pretty much um, get fucked. <laughs> but you know, I'm going to come in with like the opposite of a hot take here. It's going to be my lukewarm take. The truth is that we just never really know that much about what's happening internally at the club. And like we're always saying on here during the transfer windows, it, it doesn't just come down to even who's at the club when it comes to these deals being made. Like the players have a say in it too. They do. So, some, some of those deals, like, you know, our beloved Dybala, we'll, we'll never know if there really was an agreement and if it was a money issue or a player issue or his naming rights, whatever, you know, they say was the issue. We, ju- we just don't know. That's why I find myself unable to get too worked up about Steve Hitchin leaving. You know, <laughs> good luck to him. But 
he he didn't make that much influence in my life as a Tottenham fan. So yeah, I think good, good, bad, ugly. Um, Steve Hitchin is, is gone, and I think it's even more representative of this changing of the guard that's happening at Tottenham Hotspur, uh, which is going to, in my opinion, catapult us into this next realm of uh, of a, being a football club and of achieving things and of, you know, to steal a former manager of ours uh, catchphrase to make us proud. Um, and I, I think, I, I think that Tottenham Hotspur had to use kind of a business analogy. I think we have been operating um, as a, we've been trying to operate a big company with a medium sized strategy and I think Antonio Conte has finally pushed everything over the edge and said, we need to up this. We have the resources, we have the capability, we have the people, let's do it. And now we're seeing kind of the, the benefits of that. And one of them being Steve Hitchin gone, you know, um, farewell. I hope you find another job. I hope you're happy in life. And I hope that your departure is something that we can put a stake in the ground to say this was a moment with all the other things that happened where Tottenham Hotspur began to hockey stick accelerate uh, in terms of being a football club. I, I think the point you make about, you know, Tottenham operating as a business is, is a prudent one. And that kind of goes back to my point about Daniel Levy. And look, I am not sitting here being – Enoch out, Levy out whatsoever. But I just think that and, – and, and it kind of speaks to Caroline's point as well. Like we don't really know what Steve Hitchin was able to accomplish and was told, you know, no at the last second or, you know, at the last minute. Um, we don't really know what his influence was as much as we learned in the Amazon documentary. Like that's all kind of we – you know, for, for, for a lot of Spurs fans, that was the first time they had ever heard of Steve Hitchin was finding out that – he doesn't like January and doesn't like transfers. And honestly, that that why I brought that up at the start of this conversation is because the context of that that clip from the documentary became so um, polarizing and so so memed because it was it, the context around it was lost. I think we all know that January is a tough window to do business and that transfers in general are tough to to do. But when you hear you know, the guy that's supposed to be running the show or one of the guys that's supposed to be running the show say things like that. And especially for this crowd that, um, you know, the, the, the dozen or so of them that gathered on Monday to, 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 to protest, you know, that gives fuel to their fire to, to bark and, and, and scream about Enoch out, Levy out all of this stuff. And I, and I'm here to just say a guy like Hitchin leaving, it doesn't, it, it, it it's, I'm not saying it's a nothing for me. I think Dakota's right. I think it's a, a sign of a changing of the guard. And, you know, we had a little bit of interaction earlier this week with with um, a listener who was taking exception to our use of the word, uh, my use and, and I think Todd's use of the word. Fran uh, we, we've both done it in the past, but the, the use of the word franchise when it comes to a football club regarding regarding Tottenham Hotspur. And I think that's you know, it's a it's a very North American word yeah. to use when it comes to to to, to sporting clubs. Um, 
the the way that I use the word franchise, and this is a larger conversation that we're not going to have time for today. But when I use that word, I mean money making entity. You know, which I think we can all agree, Tottenham Hotspur are. Uh, they are a money-making business. And Valued think, at about $3 billion, if you ask them. Yeah, a, a very, <laughs> a very very profitable one, you would expect. But they are also a football club, a, a sporting club, and something that, that, that the fans of, including you know the four of us on this call, want to see be successful on the pitch. Obviously, that is our number one goal. We, I think we care that, that Spurs are, are, are viable financially and care that they are are profitable obviously we don't want to see them failing in that sense but i think more so than anything we want to see them succeeding on the pitch it's funny that you bring that up uh and and the reason why is because i saw uh um i don't know some sort of a meme today about that lot down the road and i had a collection of players that they spent uh collectively 230 million pounds on dakota knows what i'm talking about yeah they got absolutely zero for in return Mm -hmm. and i think if that's the way that my club was doing business, it would show me, A, that I have ownership that doesn't give a fuck about me. And B, I have people in charge who don't know a thing about football. And C, I've got a cancerous culture that players can't get away from. So the fact that that's happening that lot down the road is not surprising to me. But what I'm saying is that I love the fact that our team, by and large, does good business. Because even if we're not winning on the field, what I can say, at least in my head, Andrew, is that, well, we're doing good business, so we're building towards something in the future. Or we're doing good business, so we're going to be profitable and be bought by somebody who will do good things in the future. And so I, I live in that that little uh, fantasy universe that somehow good business <laughs> will lead to good football. I'm, I'm glad you said it and didn't make. I me did. Say, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I, I'm comfortable in my own delusion, sir. I love yeah. that for you. I love that, Todd. I, Todd, I was going to make the same point. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. I also, since we're having this conversation, just wanted to point out that. I was using a business analogy for how the football club is run. I wasn't calling our club a business, although it very much is. Right. right. I think the analogy and the, and the reality fit though. For, for sure. And I think I understand that it is countercultural in England for the way that we are set up to be successful on the pitch is to be successful off the pitch. I totally get that that's countercultural and that it's super frustrating and it probably sucks to be one of the first clubs in Europe to operate this way. But eventually every club in Europe will operate this way because it is sustainable. It is independent of a, of one person just pumping money into a club and. And there's not an infinite amount of middle Eastern royalty to buy all the clubs in the world. Exactly. And, it, okay, and it, cool. it, it offers a pathway to sustainable success. Mm. And eventually, the, this model will raise the level of football that is played around the world. Yeah. And I, lo- I like that. I am able, I, I'm, I'm a long term thinker just by nature. That's how I am. It's easy for me to see this. And I understand that people, other people aren't that way and it might be more difficult. But I, I see this and I'm thinking, in 20, 25 years, the level of football that we're going to see around the globe, regardless of if uh, FIFA decides to make the World Cup every two years and just kill all of our players, the level of football that we're going to see all around the world is going to be a, at a substantially higher level. And us, the fans, are going to be a direct benefit of that because of this business model that 
Tottenham Hotspur is really leading the way in innovating. I really want to chime in on that. Um, just to give Steve Hitchin more shit, to be entirely fair. Um, <laughs> that is the because segment, right? <laughs> it's 100% the segment. And the reason why is because as much as I'm appreciative uh, of the Lucas Morris and the PEHs and the fact that he brought uh, Gareth Bale back for a cameo, and I'm super thankful of that, um, these are some of, of, of my Steve Hitchin favorites. So just for those playing at home, Jack Clark, Giovanni LaCelso, Tongi and Dombley, Ryan Sassignon, Getson, Fernandez, Joe Hart, Matt Doherty, and uh, let's see, Juan Foyth. But how much money did he lose on all, all of those? Players? Didn't know. We don't he know for sure. This this is my point. He didn't lose. If he lost anything, I would be shocked. If he made money, we make money every window. The business is good. The football is meh. well. And I think to Dakota's point, when the business is good and you continue to to to, to raise that level of sustainable success off the field, it, it, it hopefully leads to sustainable success on the field. That's easy for me to say. I talk for a living. Um, <laughs> But 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 when you continue that sustainability on the pitch, you hope that that gives you enough bites at the apple to then go and and actually do something with it and actually win silverware and actually bring a trophy to White Hart Lane. And that's what we haven't seen yet. I don't think something like that is the fault of Steve Hitchin. I think Steve Hitchin is somewhat being caught up in the web of the Enoch Levy you know, clouds that people create. Um, and look, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Enoch um, celebrator. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that they've done everything right, but I'm also not, like I said, with that, those dozen people on Monday who are, who are carnival barkers, in my opinion, <laughs> I mean, that, that's just what they are. I, I, well, and you know, guys, it's an incontrovertible truth about sports that if you're going to be successful as a team, it, it just takes a perfect storm of factors unless you are doing it the fast track oil money way. And yes. we don't want to be that club. So this is where we're at. You know, I, maybe that's just the romantic side of me speaking, but I well, would much rather Caroline, you build, could it, be a build it than... <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but you get my point. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with us. Like, making prudent financial decisions and slowly but surely we're getting to this point where I genuinely believe under Conte, if we keep this up and we have a good summer window, like we can be challenging and it's going to be way more rewarding when that happens than if we had just bought a super team, but that's my opinion. Well, and, and to the point that, that I kind of, um, you know, stumbled over earlier in comparing and using that word franchise, you it's, it is impossible to compare the North American sports, whether it, what, whichever one you want to pick, whether, sure. whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, um, to global soccer, to European soccer, it's, it, it's not comparing apples and oranges. It's comparing apples and, and pickup trucks. Like it's, it, they're totally different in terms of the way that they are set up. Um, so that's, that's unfair. And I just wanted to make that point on pod so that, that we don't have any confusion. When I use the word franchise, and this is for me, I know Todd had, had used it previously too, but I was referring to, you know, the business side of things because the business side and the, and the, and the on-field side, at least for Spurs so far, haven't meshed in the perfect way that they want to. Obviously the business side, the off-field side doing extremely well and they're making money and everyone's humming in that way. And look, let's credit them for doing that through a pandemic and through everything that's been, that's through a stadium build and the timing of that just that just couldn't have been worse, you know, with trying to open a stadium months before 
the world got turned upside down. Um, all of those things, you know, the, the club should get credit financially, at least for, for doing those things. Now fans are going to start to say, let's see it on the pitch. And that's where, and that's where to dare to do comes in for me. Absolutely. And, and anybody who knows me knows that there's like a, there's like rules to everything. Right. And the way that, that Daniel Levy does business, I appreciate because there's rules that he follows and he doesn't waver from those rules. And he has a long-term vision in mind. And like that, that foresight matters in a, in a game like this. And I think that what he's built from where he's gone, it's been a long ass time. It's been a, li- a long project and there's been a lot of bumps in the road. But I think that the end goal that they're shooting toward, if they get three billion and Amazon or whomever buys Spurs, like you have to look at the body of work that Daniel Levy has done and say he's been exceptional in his job. Yeah. So it's our hope that we now have the mentality on the pitch with Antonio Conte to match the ambition in the boardroom. And winning an FA Cup fifth round match or fourth round match rather is is a step to that goal is to just another step in the way to winning something. Um, Spurs get out, get, get, get back into premier league action this week, two matches. Uh, they play Southampton and wolves at home on Wednesday and Sunday, respectively. We'll be back next week to talk about those. Um, looking forward to those, looking forward to seeing what kind of rotation can come up from this squad. Um, it should be, you know, hopefully getting guys like skip and Dyer and even Tanganga back into the mix and back healthy and, just getting this this club back to full strength on the pitch, which it seems like is happening with, like I said, the returns of Romero and Son today. Uh, arrow pointing up for Tottenham Hotspur, which is what we love to see. We love to hear about it. Uh, this has been a fun one. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, on Instagram, and now on TikTok as well. We're uh, reaching out to youths with that. Going to try and throw out some content for you all as well. Tottenham Depot is for the children. Oh, yeah, that's uh, was that Scott's line. No, that was mine. Oh, that was yours. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Tottenham Devo for everybody. Uh, we, we, we love to hear that. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. Follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth. Follow me at Stetka. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop us a line on socials again at Tottenham Depot. Until next week, as always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>